Okay, so thank you everybody for tuning in and for joining us in person as well. We are continuing our shiur on tefillah. And for anyone who's been following throughout all 144 shiurim, we are holding by Rosh Chodesh. We just finished tefillat chol, tefillat shabbat. We finished the discussion of havdalah, at least most of it, uh, despite not carefully looking at all the pew team, we did finish most of the Tefilat Chol and Tefilat Shabbat. So tonight, we're going to continue with the next logical step in the Sidur, and that is to discuss the next most common uh, holiday, so to speak, the next most common um, area of Tefilat, and that is the area of Rosh Chodesh. So now we are all familiar with what Rosh Chodesh is. The, uh, the Jewish month, is, the Jewish calendar is what's called a lunisolar calendar in where the, the um, calendar follows the months of the moon, the waning and weaning of the moon. However, the, uh, the calendar is adjusted yearly in order for it to align with the solar um, calendar in order for it to meet the same seasons every time. This comes from the Pasuk. It says that uh, the Pesach's Bechodesh Haviv, you always have to meet Chodesh Haviv, the spring for Pesach. Therefore, we know that our calendar has to align with the solar calendar, and yearly we align it so. And some years we have leap years where we add Adar Bet. And generally speaking, to fill all the days properly, some months are 29 days, some months are 30 days. So when a Rosh Chodesh is a Rosh Chodesh Malay, we have two days Rosh Chodesh. And when it's a Chaser, it is only one day Rosh Chodesh. This is all very obvious to observing Jews. Now, we know that Rosh Chodesh is also the first mitzvah that Hashem gave the Jewish people after Yitzhak Mitzrayim. For that reason, it's also deserved and received a lot of attention from the commentators, uh, both biblical and otherwise, about why this is so. Why, do the, why is Rosh Chodesh considered the first uh, mitzvah in the Torah? What is so, so important about it? Even the first Rashi in Bereshit mentions that this is the case. So the most simple understanding um, is because in order for Bnei Yisrael to begin as a nation, their first, um, the first commandment, well, okay, the, the most simple theological reason is that it, it, it imbues us with a sense and an understanding of renewal. If you're going to go to the most common um, practical understanding, it's because in order to understand the holidays, we need to understand, you know, in order to structure the whole year, we need to understand the Rosh Chodesh. But from a theological perspective, uh, the, the divine command gives us a value, a virtue, which is that in order for us to survive as a nation, we need to have the power of renewal. We need to have this power to rise uh, from the ashes. And this is one of the most important themes in Judaism, especially in mysticism, that, that something is stronger after it is broken down and, and built back up. And Rosh Chodesh... Uh, along with uh, different concepts of Teshuvah, they, they uh, bolster this understanding that we as a Jewish people can renew, just like the, the, uh, the moon renews every month, we constantly, constantly have the power to renew even within the normal cycle of time. So uh, we, can, we can treat that as long as we wanted to, but let, let, let's commence a little more. So now in the time of, of the Nevi'im and the Ketuvim, the biblical times as they call it, Rosh Chodesh was a much bigger deal. Today, 
it is very common that Rosh Chodesh doesn't really mean much to anybody besides the begrudging fact that they have to stay in shul a little bit longer in the morning and that if they forget Yala Viavo, they have to say it all over again. But otherwise, Rosh Chodesh is not very, uh, a very big deal in many even observing sects of Judaism today. There is a, a halacha in Shulchan Aruch based on, on, uh, on the prior halacha in the Gemara that we should be marbe b'su'uda. We should make larger su'udot on Rosh Chodesh. And some people, they, they are mekayim this by adding a donut to their meal or something small. That we should make su'udot by Rosh Chodesh to be mechabed the yom. This ha'chodesh uh, hazelachem, this, this mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. So, in the time of the Nevim and Ketuvim, it was a much bigger deal. We can find many places in Tanakh where it's clear that they treated Rosh Chodesh almost like a Yom Tov, like a, like a minor holiday, so to speak. And this is both for, for refraining from work and also for making Seudot and also for going to go see the rabbis. We, one example is in Shmuel Aleph in Perak Chaf, uh, where David and Yonatan make a pact and then David escapes the day before, and Shaul HaMelech is, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, Shaul HaMelech asks where David is by this meal, and the, and the Pesuki make it very clear over there that the meal that they are having at this, uh, at Shaul, the meal that Shaul HaMelech is having is a Seudat Rosh Chodesh. Uh, I just realized that really, we really should read this inside together. It's Shmuel Aleph, uh, Perek Chaf. Pasuk, let's start at Pasuk Yuchet. Be'yomer lo Yonatan machar chodesh, tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh, v'nifkata ki yipaked moshavecha. And you will be missed when, you're, when, you're, when your seat remains vacant. Uh, let me just skip a little here, where he gives uh, David the signs. If he shoots the arrow this way, it means run. If he shoots the arrow that way, it means stay, etc. Vayisater David basadeh, and David hid in the field. And the new moon came, and the king sat down to partake in the meal. So clearly it seems from this pasuk that the meal is the meal of Rosh Chodesh, something that was important to them at that time. And, and the king asked Yonatan, where is David, etc., etc., the rest of the story that happens over there. Another place that this happens is in the story of Elisha, where, with the Isha Shunamit. If you look in Melachim um, Bet, I believe, Right, in Malachim Bet. Where is this? Perek Dalid. Pasuk Gimel. So what happens is that the, the Isha Shunamit receives a boy as a blessing, right? She, the, Elisha gives her a blessing. She, she gives birth to a boy. One day the boy is in the field. He has a headache and he, his father brings him back home. The mother uh, puts the boy in her lap and by noontime he already passes away. So she puts the boy in her room, she closes the door, and she tells her husband that she's going to go see the, the holy man. She's going to go see Elisha. And she's going, uh, where, where, where's the pasuk? Vatikra Elisha. She called to her husband, and it's not clear that her husband knew that the boy died. Vatomer shilachana liyachad menharim, send me one of the lads, vachata atanota, one of the donkeys, vaarutza adisha lukim ashuva. I have to run to go to, to the isha lukim, to the navi. Vayomer, and her husband said, madua atolechet, elav, why are you going to him? Uh, right? It's not Rosh Chodesh and it's not Shabbat. And she replied, everything's okay. So we know the rest of the story that Elisha brought the boy, the boy back from the dead. However, the, 
the point is here that her husband understood that perhaps she was going to go see the Navi or the Chacham because that day was like Rosh Chodesh or like Shabbat, which were days where people would travel, well, not very far, but they would run to hear the Torah as if it was a day which had no work and people would go to hear Torah from the Chachamim. So that's another very famous, obvious place where we learn about the power of Rosh Chodesh. There's another pasuk in Hosea which clearly equates them. Uh, just in the time of the Nevi'im already, we know the Pasuk says, What's the rest of the Pasuk? I'm blanking here. It's in Bamidbar, it's in Bahalotacha. Um, and the, we know that the Pasuk in, in, in the Torah already kind of puts them on a level playing field, and this is how they actually treated them. I'm going to just quote the number, the, the, the Pasuk from Hosea briefly. It's in Perak Beit, Yud Gimel. The Pasuk says that this is a nevoah about when Hashem is, is upset at Kla Yisrael. And I will end all of her rejoicing, her, her Chagim, her festivals, right? Her new moons, and her Shabbats, and all her festive seasons. It's clear that in the time of the Nevi'im, Rosh Chodesh was a festive occasion. It was a time when people uh, clearly made it a big deal. However, after the, the Galut, after the Churban Beit HaMikdash, it very much lost its prominence, most, most of which in that the Isur Melacha was disregarded. This, this Minhag, it was not necessarily a, a real Halacha, but this Minhag that people didn't work on Rosh Chodesh was one of the first things to go. Uh, eventually, the Seudot, again, became less and less and less important. However, some, some remnants of this original, um, some remnants of, this original, of these original minhagim did trickle down. For example, today there is a minhag for people to be marbebe suda, and today there is a minhag for women. Some women don't work on Rosh Chodesh. I mean, not in Brooklyn, New York, obviously, because people... Work is God in New York, but you know, in, in there, were, there are places till today where women refrain from work on Rosh Chodesh. So there, the reason for that, and again, we're, I want to stick to the liturgical study tonight. The, the reason why women don't work is based on Pirkei Bliezer, where he says that the women didn't sin by the Egel, and therefore they were given a, a gift from Hashem that they should be zochet to observe Rosh Chodesh better than the men, and that was their, their gift, that they, they don't have to work on Rosh Chodesh. And there's another uh, reason that the Torah brings from his brother, that uh, originally the 12 months were given as a, as a gift to the 12 Shabbatim, like the Rosh Chodesh was a holiday for all of Klai Yisrael, and then it was given, after the Chet Egel, it was given only to the women. Okay, because the women, if I don't know if I mentioned, after the Chet Egel, the women refused to partake in the Chet Egel, which is what the Pirkei Lezer says, that they, they refused to give over their gold to partake in the um, worship of the golden calf. Okay, so tonight what I want to study is what is called in the Sidurim Hachrazat or Hazkarat or Birkat HaChodesh, right? Hachrazat Rosh Chodesh. So depending on which Sidur you open, you're going to find this uh, entry in the Shabbat davening before Rosh Chodesh, right? So if there's a Shabbat that comes out before Rosh Chodesh, the minhag in Kalal Yisrael, in the entire Kalal Yisrael, is on the Shabbat before Rosh Chodesh. We make an announcement in the shul that this week is Rosh Chodesh. And this week, 
um, on this so-and-so day or so-and-so days will be Rosh Chodesh. So we're going to discuss the source for this and we're going to try to track down why all of this exists and you know how it came to be. Bezrat Hashem next week we'll continue with a few more of the Rosh Chodesh things such as the Berchat HaLevana and Yalevi Avo, etc. Okay, so there is no source for Hachrazat or Haskarat Rosh Chodesh in the Gemara. There is no such thing. Not Talmud Bavli, not Talmud Yerushalmi. It simply doesn't appear. Not in Midrashim. It is clear that in the time of the Tanaim and the Amoraim, such a practice was not heard of or not heard of enough to bear mention in any of the major canonical texts. However, we do know that during the time of the Beit HaMikdash, even while the Tanaim were alive, and to a degree, even a little bit after the Tanaim, the marking, the Kiddush HaChodesh, the sanctification of the new moon, was a very big affair. And it was a big affair in the sense that Sanhedrin was responsible for, the Sanhedrin was like the Jewish legal senate, that they were responsible for sanctifying the new moon or declaring that such and such day was going to be Rosh Chodesh. It, for certain reasons, at that time, they didn't use a fixed calendar and they followed the way it is prescribed in the, in the in the in Torah Shabbat Peh and Torah Shabbat that we need a dut, we need a testimony, and we need a testimony of two witnesses that the moon is renewed, and therefore two two witnesses will come to the Sanhedrin, and they will tell the Sanhedrin that they saw the new moon, and eventually the Sanhedrin will will declare that there was a new moon, and so and announce throughout the land that Rosh Chodesh was on such and such day, or that Rosh Chodesh is a Malayer Chaser. Now, this festival was done with great pomp. There's, uh, there's a, the Mishnayot in Rosh Hashanah, Perak Beit, go into the details of how all of this would work. So uh, dozens, if not hundreds of people would come to Yerushalayim to get the opportunity to be the Edim uh, for the, the Kiddush HaChodesh. And very often they had more than they needed. All they need was, needed was two, but lots of people would come because they wanted to, so, so to speak, do this mitzvah. So let me just read to you a little from the Mishnah in case you've never learned it before. There was a large courtyard in Yerushalayim. It was called Beit Yazek. And in that courtyard, they would take all the witnesses. And the, and the, 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 the representatives of the Beitin would come and examine the witnesses there. They would make large suudot for them. They had a big food budget, and they would and they would give meals to everybody in order to make it attractive, so that people should come and give testimony. Uh, originally, people would stay there all day. He made a takana to allow people to walk within two thousand amot of that area, etc. Um, let me just skip a little here. Do, 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 do. Let's just get more into the fair itself. After they found everybody, so after they found all their, their words to be emet, they would uphold their testimony. Um, right. And the and every other edim, they would just ask them the basic questions. Not because they really needed the the these final adim these final witnesses they don't want people to be uh, to leave disappointed that they came all the way to Yerushalayim to tell the Beitin that they saw the the molad 
and they, they came for nothing. So the, the Sanhedrin tactfully made everybody feel special, and everybody who, every pair of friends who managed to see the Molad together, uh, you know, came to, to, to Beit Din, and they, they were given an appropriate uh, audience with a representative of the Beit Din. Very beautiful. Now comes the affair. What did they do? Rosh Beitin Omer Mekudash, the head of the court, would say, it is sanctified. The Chol Ha'am and the entire nation that was present would say after him, Mekudash, Mekudash. They would reply, Mekudash, Mekudash. This was the uh, affair, and this was a public affair, and that was how they, how they made, that was how in their time they did Kiddush HaChodesh. So, Another thing they would do after it was Mikudash is they would blow the shofar as it's a mitzvah de oraita. It says, uh, that on Rosh Chodesh we should be to katem bechatsotzerot et. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to pull up this pasuk because I keep blanking on the rest of the pasuk. Um, I believe, right? By the korbanot. I think that's the end of the pasuk. I'll pull it up anyway. So the they would first declare Mekudash, and then later, at the time that, uh, I believe, I don't remember exactly what time, they would blow the Shofrot. So this idea of blowing the Shofar apparently survived this ritual into the Batei Knisiot, even after the Churban, uh, Beit HaMikdash. It seems that in Yavne and in a place called Entav, there was this Minhag that when they established the Rosh Chodesh, they would also blow shofar throughout the land to let everybody know that it was Rosh Chodesh. Uh, this comes from a Gemara in Sanhedrin, in Dafim Aleph Bet, where the Gemara calls it Shipura, like the, the act of blowing shofar. It seems to have been something f- familiar to them because they have an Aramaic word for it. And they, it's about Eidut, like maybe the Eidim were mixed up with the date because they, they thought they heard the Shipura on a different day, etc., etc. But this seems to have been something that was still practiced all the way until uh, probably the yeshivot in Bavel, if they had an Aramaic word for it. So it's interesting that the at least one component of the Beit HaMikdash, of the, of the ritual in the Beit HaMikdash, of declaring the new Chodesh, survived into the Batei Kanisiot. There's also Tosafot in Rosh Hashanah, the Chav Amar Aleph. One should see if you, want, if you want to track this down, um, which also corroborates this fact. So we can see that originally Rosh Chodesh was mostly an affair of, um, of you know, Korban, Beit HaMikdash. It was a, cel- a celebration, a holiday, and... I'm sorry, I'm just going to... Sorry, I'm just going to mute that for, for the sound. Um, and then eventually, after the Churban, lots of things changed, and we had to uh, adapt. So the customs of Rosh Chodesh eventually evolved into the Beit HaKnesset, into the synagogue. Now, what these rituals were is very bizarre. We don't know exactly what the Tanaim were doing in their time in order to, A, establish Rosh Chodesh, to establish that today is the new moon, and B, we don't know exactly what they were doing to celebrate. So there are clues from different Gemarot here and there exactly what they did. And most of that is really halachic, not liturgical. But what they were trying to do was that even though there was no Beit HaMikdash and there was no Sanhedrin, they were still trying to use the Beit Din structure 
during the time of the Tanaim to establish the Rosh Chodesh. And the Tanaim were still partaking in Seudot. This much we know. Now, we do find a liturgy recorded in Mesechet Sofrim, Perak Yutet, which recounts a ritual that was taken on in, either in their time and place or earlier than them in the time of the Tanaim in order to establish the Rosh Chodesh. And I'll read it to you. There's a couple of versions of it. It's a little bit corrupted, and we don't know exactly what's going on, but the, the gist of it is clear, clear enough. So, Berosh Chodesh Yashvu HaChaburot Shel Zakenim V'Shel Bilabatin V'Shel Tamidim On Rosh Chodesh, the Chaburot, right, the distinguished uh, coteries of scholars, uh, the, the elders, the scholars, the distinguished people and their disciples would, would sit together for meals. Min HaMincha Lumayla Ad SheYishakah HaChama From Mincha until, until sunset V'Tzarich B'Birkat HaYayin Doesn't say what they're doing, again, it's missing the word. Probably they did a Suda. And then they would, they would say, uh, Okay, so it's probably missing. There's corruption here as to what words are missing. Most likely they had a Sudan. They would end it with for the benching. And then they said this long Right? Blessed are you Hashem who creates the fruit of the vine and uh, sorry, who, who um, revealed the secret, who reveals secrets and uh, where's, where are we here? Uh, right, they would have a whole ritual in a bracha, a bracha to say, Then they would say a bunch of different responses, like, uh, and then they would sing right? and then everyone present to those uh, those meals of the scholars would answer amen amen yirbu tovot yirbu Right? There should be many good news in Klai Yisrael. There should be many more Yamim Tovim. There should be many more scholars. And then they would say, as they did in the temple, They would say, They would have all different... It seemed to be some sort of liturgical ritual that they were building here in order to... Uh, substitute or to fill in the void that was missing after the Beit HaMikdash. Now, no remnant of this practice has survived, but the languages did. Uh, for the one part, we have an emphasis here on the Geulah, that they're praying for Eliyahu Hanavi, they're praying for the Geulah. We have an emphasis on praying for, Tamid, for Tamidei Chachamim, which we also see in the modern Hachazat Rosh Chodesh. And we have these themes of Sason and Simcha, that we are praying that this month should be joyous and we should rejoice in this month. So these themes, these liturgical themes that are present in Mesechet Sofrim um, eventually remained with subsequent liturgies that were written in relation to Rosh Chodesh. And they were always a part and parcel with those liturgies. So although we don't have any direct link, and again, that Mesechet Sofrim, that, that, that Perek is, is corrupted and it's not easily understood, 
we do see that there was some activity in the time of the Tanaim trying to replace the Avodan, the Beit HaMikdash, with some liturgical substitute. So now, the problem is, today, we don't have the Beit HaMikdash, we don't have the Sanhedrin, so there were replacements that were written, as far as we know. Now, we don't have an earlier source for this than really the, the works of the Rishonim, um, in Seder of Sadia Gaon and Seder of Amram Gaon, they don't really mention Hachrazat Rosh Chodesh. There is in Seder of Amram Gaon a part where it has Hachrazat Rosh Chodesh, but it's debated among scholars whether or not it's a later Hosafa, meaning was it added later or was it left out of the Shabbat part and, and the Sofer accidentally put it in the wrong place. It's not clear because from the manuscripts we have from the Seder of Amram, it doesn't look like it actually belongs there. So either it was put there because the writer had forgot to to, to write it because it belonged by Shabbat instead of in the Rosh Chodesh part or because it was literally just a later edition and in Seder of Amram proper in the early Gaonic Sidurim they simply didn't have something like Hachrazat or Haskarat Rosh Chodesh or what the Ashkenazim will call uh, what do they call it? Uh, Benshin uh, I forgot what they call it Chodesh um, Benshin? I don't remember what they call it um, Gary, you, you remember? I don't remember there's a Yiddish term for it Birchas HaKodesh? I think there's also... Right, that's one way of saying it. I think the other way is... They'll say... Hold on, I think I know this. Reish Chodesh Benshin. Yeah, that's what they call it. I'm just trying to trying to, 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 to get it in my head. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that minhag came from. Maybe I'll have to track that one too, down also. It's probably a money-raising thing, but we'll figure it out. Okay, so the language that we were familiar with today does come from the Seder of Amram at the earliest, but also from the Sidurim of the Rishonim, and the, the early Sidurim has been passed down for a long time. I'm going to read to you just what we have in the Seder of Amram. It has as the, is the, the Spanish minhag, the, the four you hear at zones, and then Misha Nas Asanisim Lavotin with Misraim Galam, Hui Galotan, Yashiv Banim Likulam, Bisiman Tobie, Lanu Rosh Chodesh Poni, Yom Poni, Yom Poni, etc. And then a little bit of things about Yeshua, Nechama, Panasak, Kalas, Son, Simcha, etc. The whole, the, the whole repertoire of, of text. Now, ever since those early Sidurim that contain this Kiddush, this Birkat HaChodesh, there have been many, many, many variations in text, but the gist of them is all the, always the same. You have the Misha Sanisim, and you have the, the, the proclamation of what day Rosh Chodesh is going to be, and a bunch of text around that. So we'll, we'll approach the text in a minute. Before we do that, I wanted to point out something which is, a, which is related somewhat halachically and also historically here. The author of the Tikkun Tefillah, um, points out an interesting problem that the Rishonim grapple with. And that is, if indeed, in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, uh, in the time of the Sanhedrin, we required a Sanhedrin to be Mekadesh the Chodesh, then what do we do today? How is it possible that you could even make Moadim, you could even make uh, all the Chagim, if you don't have a Kiddush HaChodesh? Without a Kiddush HaChodesh, you cannot establish the rest of the holidays. So the Ramban and other Rishonim deal with this problem. How, what do we do today without the Sanhedrin? How do we have Kiddush HaChodesh? 
The Ramban answer is very simple. He says, it is well known that Hillel ben Oshel Nasi, Hillel the son of Rabbi Yehuda, established a fixed calendar for generations that we can follow, which obviates the need for doing uh, witness-based uh, proclamations and more fungible, more uh, flexible, I mean, uh, versions of Rosh Chodesh. And there, since Hillel was mitaken, uh, Hillel Achron, right, the later Hillel was mitaken, the, this calendar, every Rosh Chodesh on that calendar is like its own automatic Kiddush HaChodesh until we have the Beit HaMikdash. So what's interesting, says the Tikkun Tefillah, about the, the version of this, um, of this HaKharzat Rosh Chodesh, is that in the Seder of Amram, it doesn't appear with the, uh, the Shabbat davening. It's not put into the, the, the Shabbat before Rosh Chodesh. Instead, it's put with Rosh Chodesh itself. Like as if you say it in the middle of the Rosh Chodesh uh, Tefillah after, Shachri, after Hallel. So he believes that because it was said in Rosh Chodesh itself, that perhaps this is actually a real Kiddush HaChodesh. And he brings a proof from a Mechilta, where the Mechilta says that uh, there's, a, there's an opinion that the, the obligation of Kiddush HaChodesh is not actually on the Sanhedrin, it's only, academically speaking, on the Jewish people, and they, in turn, appoint the Sanhedrin to, um, to, their, to then be Mekadesh LaChodesh, to then sanctify the moon. And in that, in that vein, perhaps this is actually a real Kiddush HaChodesh, and... Um, and it was forgotten. Originally, it was a real Kiddush HaChodesh in the time of the Gonim, and it was forgotten that it was a real Kiddush HaChodesh, and it got moved to the Shabbat before Rosh Chodesh, and it just became a proclamation. So that's, that's an interesting theory. It's not, uh, it's not without its, 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 its uh, holes, but that was his, uh, his suggestion. Okay, so now let's approach, approach the text itself. So we know that this text obviously is uh, from... Post-exile, it is definitely something written after the Churban because it speaks about rebuilding the Beit HaMikdash. So we can definitely date it to after the first century. However, um, the, all of the versions that we have today of the text of Haskarat Rosh Chodesh are in Hebrew. It's fascinating that some of the earliest uh, versions of this text are not in Hebrew, but are instead in Aramaic. And some scholars suggest that this Aramaic um, wording of the Haskarat Rosh Chodesh, this original version, might actually be a, a um, remnant or a, a, some evidence of a time. Uh, it might actually be some evidence of a time when in Eretz Yisrael, the Tanaim were still being Mikadesh the Chodesh, and they were sending that news back to Babel in Aramaic. So that, that's an interesting suggestion. Again, not easily provable. But here, the Romaniot Nusach, the Greek Nusach, which is today extinct, unfortunately, for the Haskarat Rosh Chodesh, was in Aramaic. And I'll just read it to you. Hakol kol ama havuda techon. What's the word? Attention. Uh, uh, all, attention uh, to ladies and gentlemen, and, and pay attention to, to, to this following. Kal kadosh yarcha haden, mishma kal, to, to hear this news, Kadosh Yarchahaden, this new moon is is uh, sanctified. Kimad Gazru Maranan Varabaran Habura Kadisha, as uh, has been declared by our 
masters and and rabbis of the chabura, right? This sounds like Tanaim, right? The, of the of the holy chabura, the Havuyatvin Vara the Israel, who are now stationed in Eretz Yisrael, it lach resh yarcha dip. You have the the resh the you have the the rosh chodesh of this month bekach bekach and this day b'shabbat chush b'nei umininig bekach b'shabbat. I mean, and it's and it's this in this day and and this in this this number. Very interesting language that almost sounds like that that sounds very much like this is an Aramaic message being sent from Eretz Yisrael to Babel, which would mean that this idea of Haskarat Yosh Chodesh could be, if the Romanio text is accurate and the scholars are right, that this really does go that far back, then this is a Tanoic formulation in Aramaic, which was really a, uh, you know, a proclamation being sent and read out loud to the Tzibur that such and such day is the Rosh Chodesh. Beautiful. There's another version in the, in the, in the Roman, in the, in the Italian Nusach, which is in Hebrew, Kach Gazru Rabotenu HaMechubadim, so have declared our, our honored sages uh, that that we should announce in front of this holy assembly that young and old should know that we do have a rosh chodesh. Uh, we do have a rosh chodesh according to the cheshbon of our of our masters. Yom v'yom on this and this day. It's beautiful. So some of the earliest versions of this seem to be a lot more. Uh, formal to be a lot more formulated and and more uh, PSA in nature. They're much more public service announcements than they are a form of liturgy. Okay, so most likely, as we said, this is all to recall a uh, you know the practice in in uh, much of this uh, of this affair here is to recall what was happening in Yazek. the the. Um, the Shibole Halekhet brings another minhag. I don't know why I wrote it here, but I should probably put this elsewhere. If I don't say it now, I'm going to forget it. So the Shibole Halekhet brings another minhag that they wouldn't do Haskarat Rosh Chodesh neither on Shabbat nor on, uh, nor on Rosh Chodesh itself. Rather, they would do this thing called Haskarat Rosh Chodesh, meaning the night of Rosh Chodesh. They would say Rosh Chodesh before Arvit, and everyone would say L'sason or L'simcha. Out loud before they started the Shmona Esrei of Arvit, and he says the reason we did that is only just so people shouldn't miss Yalav Yavon, so that their wives should know that they don't have to work that day. So that that's the uh, that that's the other version of Haskarat Chodesh, which I, I probably forgot to mention. Okay, so now I'm sure the Svaradim involved here will 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 recognize the Svaradim and Hag, but I'm first going to discuss the Ashkenaz. Which, if you look at most Sidurim today, let me find it here, because I don't have an Ashkenaz Sidur in front of me. I'm going to be relying here on Ashkenaz Sidur in Safaria. We're going to go to Sabbath, right? Here we go. Torah reading and communal prayers. Wow. Everyone likes English. Birkata Chodesh, they call it. In this Sidur, they call it Birkata Chodesh. The first prayer you'll find in the Ashkenaz version of Birkat HaChodesh is Alright, that you, it should be your will, uh, the will of our, our God and forefathers, that you should, renew, that you should uh, renew this coming month on us for good and for blessing. 
ותיתן לנו חיים ארוכים, חיים של שלום, חיים של טובה, חיים של ברכה, חיים של פרנסה, חיים של חילוץ והשמות, חיים שיש בהם יראת שמיים, יראת חיל, חיים שאין בהם בושה וכלימה, חיים של עושר וכבוד, חיים שתתמו בנו אהבת תורה ויראת שמיים, חיים שימלו משל תיבנו לטבעה, אמן צלע. So, a famous uh, תפילה, because this תפילה is directly borrowed from something called תפילת רב. תפילת רב, when we study תחנון, we mentioned that different Amoraim and Tanaim would have their own minhag, their own personal custom to recite a tichina at the end of Shemona Esrei. Rab's tichina was, he was, So roughly 200 to 250 years ago, it, they started putting this in the Sidurim as well, but they adapted it and modified it, they, and they put in the beginning. So this is really a very, very recent prayer. It's not really a part of Askaratosh Chodesh as it was in antiquity. However, it's a recent, however, we have it in the Sidurim today. And it is a recent um, uh, what's the adaptation for Rosh Chodesh. It's a, it's a tefillah which talks about success and health and peace. And it was adapted for Rosh Chodesh by modifying the first sentence. So that's, that's so much for that, that section. And then Ashkenazim... Go right straight to the Mishnah. Asanisim lavotenu vegalotam yavdut lecherut hu yigalotanu bekarvik abetsin achinu ma'abak hamfot ha'aretz chaverim kol yisrael v'namar amen. Right. So he did miracles for um, for the for our forefathers and took them out of Mitzrayim. So too they should. Uh, Hashem should should give us a geula. Now the Sfaradim begin with the Yihirat Zones that Ashkenazim say on Mondays and Thursdays. So, I brought a Sidor here. I'm sorry. Let me pull out the Sidor. We discussed this previously in a shiur about most close to a year ago when we discussed Kriyata uh, Torah. These four come from Seder of Amram. And they are definitely very, very old to Philot. And we discussed a little more like what those Yerushalayim are, but they're definitely trying to pray directly to Hashem to avoid calamity. It became the minhag not actually not to say these four Yerushalayim before Chodesh Av, because Chodesh Av is always known to be a month of calamity. So these Yerushalayim were omitted, are omitted by the Sfaradim on, Rosh, on uh, the Shabbat before Rosh Chodesh Av. Now, you can see that in the Sfaradi and in the Ashkenaz version, where are we here? We have Yisrael that Hashem should establish for us all the Chachamim of Klai Yisrael. So the Budraham says, why is it over here that we go out of our way to pray for the Chachamim of Klai Yisrael? He says, because we're again trying to hearken back to the time when it was the Chachamim themselves who were Mekadesh Tachodesh, and today we don't have them. So we're praying to restore the Sanhedrin. Uh, so uh, we're praying that, that Mashiach should come and we should be able to restore the Sanhedrin. Now, there are differences in the Mishah Sanisim between the different, nuscha, different Nusachim, Nusraot, however you want to say it, and it would be too exhaustive. It's usually a little word here, a little word there, um, an extra prayer here, an extra prayer there, but by and large, the Mishah Sanisim has the same theme, same themes among all the, the different rites. Okay. It is likely, there's 
two likely reasons why we focus on Geulah and Yitziat Mitzrayim. First of all, the likely reason that we're, we're focusing on the Geulah is in order so that we should establish, we should reestablish, you know, the, the, the state of Israel, meaning the, our, we should reestablish the Beit HaMikdash, Zion, in order and have Mashiach so that we can uh, do the Kiddush HaChodesh properly. And secondly, some explain that the emphasis on particularly Yitziat Mitzrayim, like just like you took us out of Egypt, give us the, the Geulah, the Levush explains, and he heard this from other people, that because Kiddush HaChodesh was the first mitzvah after Yitziat Mitzrayim, therefore we mention Yitziat Mitzrayim itself. Now, uh, I wanted to note one thing, that the, the Ashkenaz version has something very interesting in that it says, all, all Jewish people are chaverim. I'm not sure what that means. Like, it's not a very typical language to say chaverim kol Yisrael. And I wonder if it comes from the earlier languages of saying that, uh, the earlier Nusachs, which spoke about the Chabura Kadisha. So I'm not sure if, what the Chaverim Kol Yisrael comes from, but my suspicion is that it doesn't really have to do so much with the Kabesni Yadachinu Aretz, but it's more that there was an originally a language there that had to do with the Chabura, and they didn't understand this, so they just changed it. I have to look more into that. I have to find some early Ashkenazic texts. I couldn't, I didn't, did not have time to go, uh, to go research that, but that's my current suspicion, and I'll update you next week if I find anything else. Uh, lastly, just a couple uh, minhagim. First of all, the minhag is popularly to stand for Kiddush HaChodesh. This comes from the Magen Avraham. He says that in the Beit HaMikdash, everyone would stand when they said Mikudash, so too we should stand when we do Kiddush HaChodesh. Um, in the Sfaradi shuls, they have this minhag that every, some shuls have this minhag that everybody goes to Sefer Torah to touch it. I have no idea where that camp comes from. I didn't find this source anywhere. I have no idea why people want to all touch the Sefer Torah at the same time. My suspicion is, is that it's probably because there was a minhag in the old country that the person holding the Sefer Torah would be the one to say the bracha, and maybe that more than one person wanted to say the bracha, and they didn't just want to hear it from the chazan, so more than one person touched or held the Sefer Torah. I'm not really sure what is happening. I really don't know why everybody thinks they need to touch the Sefer Torah during Kiddush HaChodesh. If anyone has an answer for me, if you could find it in a Sefer somewhere, please do. I, I could not find it. The Ashkenazim have a minhag um, to... Uh, say the Mailid. The Mailid is an exact time for when the for when I believe I, I don't know exactly what it is. There's an exact time for when the when, when the moon renews, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's a mathematical thing, uh, for if you astronomical thing for when when the the moon changes. And for some reason, um, in, I've been to shuls. We're declaring the the, the Mailid, declaring what time astronomically is the Mailid, is the Molad. Of, of the of the moon because it's like even more solemn than actually declaring what day is Rosh Chodesh like the Moilid's it's sign like the, they say it out loud and then everybody says together Hayyim Yayim um, and they say it in Yiddish too I'm sorry what that's what time it is is when the moon would appear in Yerushalayim okay so the 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 problem with this minhag is that it's very recent. Um, and it doesn't seem to be halachically sourced. So it first appears somewhat in a sefer called, uh, the, I think it's the Shari Ephraim. Yeah, it's in the Shari Ephraim, who is a contemporary of the Chatam Sofer. So you're talking roughly 200 years ago at most. And he basically says that it's very good to know, during HaKarazat Toshchodesh, it's good to know that you should have in mind when the Molad is. That's what he says. Because without the Molad, Sanhedrin would have never been able to be, to be Metakein the Chodesh. 
So when you're hearing them declare it, you should, you should keep in mind when the molad is as if you are intentionally being Mekadesh the Chodesh. But not to say it out loud. Eventually, later Poskim and later Sidurim started to talk about it more than just about knowing, and they started to speak about it as if you should also be saying it. And it kind of evolved from there, and it got pushed into the Sidurim. But it really doesn't have any halachic strength. Um, saying the Mailad is a nice minhag, not required, and definitely should not get any halachic supremacy to actually uh, doing Haskarat Chodesh itself. Not that Haskarat Chodesh uh, would be a chiyuv, None of the poskim treat Haskarat Chodesh as a strict obligation, nor do the contemporary poskim consider that to be an official Kiddush HaChodesh. However, um, however uh, it is more supreme than, uh, than uh, saying the Molad, which is a very, very recent minhag. Uh, lastly, Chodesh Tishrei, um, we don't do the, the Haskarat Chodesh, and this is because the Pasuk says, Bakesa Liyom Chagenu, in the appointed day, it seems to be not necessary. Um, if the day is appointed, to therefore, um, to we already know based on the previous Rosh Chodesh when when uh, Rosh Chodesh is going to be. Therefore, we don't have to, and we all understand that Rosh Hashanah is going to be on such and such date. So there is no Eskerat Rosh Chodesh, and that so much closes for uh, this this week's Shi'ur. I hope next week, Bezrat Hashem, we will continue with both Berkat Halivana if if we can. Uh, if we can, I, I'm not sure how much time we could spend on that. It is just one bracha after all, but there's a lot of addendum to, to the Birkat Lavana, and then maybe we'll have time also for Ya Leviavo. So thank you everyone for your time, patience, endurance, and attention, and we will continue uh, next week.